You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for the most exciting two weeks we're going to have, all month at least, but maybe maybe even all year. Uh, if you've been listening through as we uh, covered the anniversary month, and I think we finished off uh, two weeks ago talking about um, the fact that our original plan of doing, uh, I think, bio month or biopic month has been put on hold just because of uh, timing reasons and that we promised we would bring something for John Wick because I love John Wick. Everybody loves John Wick, especially the person sitting next to me who already screamed because we're finally recording John Wick. So we are here to talk about Keanu Reeves 2014, the original John Wick. Uh, We're going to be back next week to do John Wick Chapter 2. And then something on John Wick Chapter 3. But let's get into it. My name is Colin, and cool it, cool it, cool it! My name is Jamie, and Keanu Reeves is the only man celebrity that I was interested in when I was a teenager. And Forget m- Nick Carter. I want Keanu Reeves. Yeah, me too. Forget Nick Carter. I want Keanu Reeves. No, you don't want Keanu Reeves. You want that guy who plays James Bond. Pierce Brosnan? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he Keanu Reeves. You say he's the most beautiful man ever. He is. Like, seriously. Keanu Reeves is better. As a completely straight male, Pierce Brosnan is the most handsome man I've ever seen. Nah. Keanu Reeves might be in the top five, but nah. Jamie is a huge Keanu Reeves fan, and we're getting ready for John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. I'm still not sold on the subtitle for that movie. I would just rather John Wick Chapter 3. But here we have John Wick Chapter Nothing, because it was originally titled just John Wick. And uh, this is, I guess, coming a couple of years after the start of the Jerry Action film genre, as it's uh, kind of been named, uh, which really kicked off with Taken, just this this subgenre. Because here's before we even get into it, let's talk a bit about Jerry Action films, because this is one of my favorite things, as you know. Uh, and... Really, the only thing we've really had to talk about with Jerry Action Films is we did a review for The Equalizer 2 last year. We did a review for Peppermint with Jennifer Garner, kind of the first female Jerry Action film. But this whole subgenre of action movies really kicked off with Taken. And do you remember back even further than that? Like, you talked about the 90s. We go back to the 90s and early 2000s and everything. And it suddenly became uncool that all the action stars had been aging. The guys like Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis and Stallone and Denzel. Van Damme. Well, Denzel, nobody. I mean, he can do anything. But he can do anything. He can. I mean, nobody's ever you know held anything against Denzel. But just the older action stars suddenly became so uncool where it's like, oh, we want young action stars. And then all these young action stars came out and nobody really cared. Suddenly, Liam Neeson, who had never really done an action movie before, does take in and... The Jerry action genre is born. Like, an older man, I basically classify as I think that you have to be past middle age. You, you, you know, I, I think there have been some where guys may be in their mid to late 40s, but it's usually these stars from the past returning to a genre, or in some cases, you know, like the way Sean Penn did with The Gunman, or Liam Neeson did with Taken, these older guys embracing an action movie, and it's just so much better than typical action movies. And I don't know what it is, but this is one of my favorite genres. And you have this thing where every single Valentine's Day, you seem to buy me a Jerry Action film, uh, which I think John Wick, The Equalizer was the first and John Wick was the second. Uh, what did I buy you this year? I don't remember. I don't. We, we're expecting twins. Uh, we, but at the time we're recording this, we're expecting twins within 24 hours. Tomorrow. Yeah, less than, less than 24 hours, yeah. and we'll probably be holding them. Yeah, and 48 hours uh, from now, uh, or sorry, 72 hours from now, 
a couple of days from the time I'm recording this, they're already born. So 72 hours after, you know, these twins are born, you're listening to this episode. And or I maybe actually longer. was telling you when uh, we were dropping off Casper at my parents' house, I said, you know, the twins were originally supposed to come a week later, closer to that new John Wick yeah. movie release date. I said, I wonder now if obviously because they're coming early, if, if you know, I have two newborn twins, if somehow, you know, they're two or two and a half weeks old, if I can s- <laughs> kind of sneak out for like two or three hours and have my parents watch them go watch John Wick. Yeah, that's. I, I love it that much. Well, well, we'll talk about that a bit because John Wick comes out in 2014, and in case you haven't heard before, Jamie and I are married. We already have one kid. By the time you're listening to this, we have two more twins, uh, not two sets of twins, two more babies, a pair of twins. Let's make that clear. Please don't let there be any more in there. But uh, <laughs> we had gone uh, to Minneapolis uh, on our first uh, anniversary. I was going to call it honeymoon, but anniversary. Uh, on our honeymoon, we'd gone to the Bahamas, and our original intention, we were going back to the Bahamas that year, but we had over $2,000 worth of vehicle repairs, and suddenly it's like, well, we can't afford that. Let's just go down to Minneapolis for a week. We'll check out the Mall of America, whatever. And while we were down there, I'm like, you know, I kind of want to see a movie because they have a theater right in the Mall of America, and we're spending most days there anyways. And there were a couple of movies that we hadn't seen. I gave you the choice. I'm like, there's... This new movie, John Wick, I really want to see it. It's Keanu Reeves. It looks like a really cool action movie. And then there's this Kira Knightley movie called Leggies, which uh, was more of a chick flick. Um, and I showed you the trailers for both. And you're like, well, we'll see that John Wick one. So I'm like, watch the trailer first because I'm thinking, I'm going to give this to you. You know, you could make the choice. I figured you'd pick Kira Knightley. And you're like, no, let's see that John Wick movie. Now, I was aware you were a fan of Keanu Reeves, but having said that, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves movies that had come out before John Wick, you still didn't really care to go. Now all of a sudden... Yeah, well, it was mostly just him. But even then, you're like, ah, I'll catch on Netflix or something. You were willing to see John Wick, but it wasn't like you were like, wow, that looks so good. Now, I was like, I can't wait for this movie because at this point, I'm in love with The Equalizer. I'm in love with Jack Reacher. I'm in love with Taken. And I'm like, Keanu Reeves is doing this now. So we go, we're in the movie theater, and Jamie has this thing where she falls asleep no matter what we're watching, the infamous story that's been told many times here is she fell asleep during the infamous death scene of Han Solo in a Star Wars movie. Spoiler! And then after the movie was over, I was like, did I miss something? What happened to Han? And I'm like, oh, we're going back again. I explained to you what happened, but we're like, we're going back again. We went back a few days later. You fell asleep at the exact same spot. We went back a third time. I had to wake you up as the part was coming up. Dark yeah, theaters. I was pregnant with Casper. Yeah, but dark theaters, that's your kryptonite. You will mm-hmm. fall asleep. So I'm like, okay, we'll go see this movie, but please stay awake from me. 15 minutes into John Wick, you have fallen asleep. I'm such an old lady. (laughs) Yes, you are. But I'm like, seriously, Jamie, wake up. Like, we paid for this movie, and we're paying in American dollars. The Canadian dollar is not doing great at that point. So we're paying in American dollars. I'm like, you're watching this movie, okay? (laughs) We watch it, and it finishes like, what a great movie. And you really liked it. And we didn't really see it again or hear much about it until, you know, six months later, Valentine's Day rolls around and you give me John Wick for Valentine's Day. We watch it that night, you know, and suddenly you're like watching it, you know, when I'm not home, you're watching it on Netflix. And I have seen the first John Wick so many times. And yet, you know this movie by heart that you have not even watched this in prep. You never take notes, but you haven't even watched this in prep. Now, you could explain a little bit about your history with seeing this movie. You know, the first time your experience, but then also explain why you have to do no prep for this. Um, 
Well, you just explained everything for how obviously we first saw it, so I don't really have to get into that. But I will say that I don't have to do any prep for this movie because I watch it pretty much every night before I go to bed on my phone. Yeah. Because I have it uh, on Netflix, obviously, and it's downloaded and it never expires because I watch it every day. (laughs) Now, we'll also say I don't get to watch this every night before bed because, you know, despite the fact that we are happily married with two more kids on the way in 24 hours of recording this um if you've ever uh had a pregnant wife you probably notice that it's sometimes difficult to actually sleep in one bed if you have a wife who's pregnant with twins it is impossible uh because well a you make a lot of noise (laughs) you roll around constantly you get up to go to the bathroom constantly whoa so many times yeah so and and it is a real thing by the way it's called rhinitis the pregnancy the snoring thing that's that's a real pregnancy thing. But I mean, you know, the That's what people tune into. That we want to hear about Keanu Reeves shooting Russians and Ryonitis. But but you know, it the ice cream and other dairy stuff and sugar and all the junk probably doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and the weight gain. Uh, yeah. Well, most <laughs> of that weight gain is water and babies, but anyways, so yeah, you watch this movie every single night almost. Every once in a while you switch it up. But <laughs> You'll go to bed, and I'll be like, okay, I'm going downstairs. And you'll be like, all right, I think I'm going to watch John Wick. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's a little bit of a rabbit hole thing. but I oh, rabbit, ha- rabbit hole? Yeah. Trail? Right. Trail? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually watched Red Sparrow last night, and, oh. and, and I actually kind of agree with you. I'm like, this movie actually kind of sucks. Thank you. Okay, complete side note here. <laughs> we did a review of Red Sparrow, which I was very excited about because it was a spy movie. It had Joel Edgerton. It had Jennifer Lawrence. We saw it. We did a review that night, and I'm telling you, like, this is a terrible movie. You're like, I really like it. And you refuse to budge, even though you agreed with me on the flaws of the movie. You refuse to budge. Now, can we appeal your original vote of wanting to buy Red Sparrow now that you finally see it a second time a year and almost two years later? What? Yeah, in a nutshell, I'll just say, like, her accent was horrible, but the actual ideas that they had for the story were good. Okay. Back. So that's all I'll say. Okay. That's so. Are you going to downgrade it to a rented or a bin, please? I'll just still say rent it. Oh, okay. It's okay. it's at least got like naked people in it. So. All right. Well, let's get back to John Wick. That's just uh, my excitement there. So John Wick. Um, we're both big fans of this movie. 2014. It comes out. Uh, we're going to get to the box office later on, but it kind of becomes a surprise hit because Keanu Reeves' career. We just finished covering Speed like what two weeks ago, and. I don't think his career ever had like a huge high after Speed, other than the Matrix movies. You know, he for a while he had like hit movies. You know, they would make a decent amount of money, but he pretty much had fallen off into straight to DVD stuff. Um, and a lot of it was his own doing. Like Keanu Reeves got really into uh, real martial arts when he was training for the Matrix movies. So he even had pet projects where he wanted to direct a movie in Hong Kong, and he did this movie called The Man from Tai Chi uh, or Man of Tai Chi or something like that. But uh, that was basically what he was doing for years. Didn't and he have another one that he did, like a Ronin movie or something? 47 Ronin, yeah. yeah. So no, the we occasion- never watched that one. We bought it. It's still in the plastic wrap. We started watching it. We didn't finish. <laughs> it's, it's, it's out of the plastic wrap. We did not finish. But anyways, he, he's he's sort of been uh, out of the spotlight for a while, but he was one of these guys that people always liked. Like Despite limited acting talent, um, he has a real charisma about him. And when John Wick came out, I, I don't remember there being a huge buzz. And the movie itself, if you watch the trailer, it looks like your typical revenge movie. It looks like something you know Clint Eastwood 
would be doing, like get off my lawn, like that, like typical Jerry action film. But uh, something about the movie clicked on the opening weekend and it made a fair amount of money and went on to develop a really big following despite being a modest hit. And I'm really excited to talk about how this movie's exploded when we get to the box office later on. But this movie developed kind of, I guess, rejuvenated Keanu Reeves' career. It didn't develop a new career for him. It sort of brought him back. And suddenly he's become this iconic character. Like John Wick has become an iconic character even before the second movie came out. Very similar way that I compare to the Bourne movies. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Great drop-in. This is what we waited all year for. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, we're not going to take too long on this because try to make a pregnant woman sit for an hour and a half straight. We're going to get into John Wick. So the basic plot of the movie is uh, all set up in these opening scenes, which, by the way, the first scene starts out with the end of the movie. Now, I'm curious to get your opinion on this. Uh, we'll talk about it before we get into the rest of the movie. But when this movie opens and you're seeing Keanu Reeves very slowly crash a car uh, and get out of it and stumble around on the ground bleeding and pull out a phone watching a video of what we know later on is his dead wife. We know this is the end of the movie because then it flashes back. But you were still awake seeing this the first time. Do you have any memories of what you were thinking at this point? Like, is this going to be the guy's death? Is this the beginning of the movie? Is this a flashback? What did you think? I I pretty much had figured from the beginning that it was actually something later in the movie. Not necessarily that I would know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that it was the end. But I knew it was obviously later in the story. You know, I'm really good at reading the opening of movies and I thought that this was the end, that this was going to be a one-off thing, and that it was showing his death that would happen later on. Uh, and I really like that tease, and even as I rewatch it now, or every time I do watch this, I'm always sort of caught off guard, because to me, it doesn't feel like something where it's like, oh, once you rewatch the movie, you're like, no, that's that's not him dying. I, I like it, Keanu Reeves teasing me, too. Okay. <laughs> but it still, to me, plays like, even having seen this movie a dozen times or more, it still plays like it's a death scene to me, which I think is great, because that's how they tease the start of the movie. Um, so, right from the him watching this video as he's slowly dying of his wife, they go back to the, the funeral. Now, nothing is spelled out in this movie. Uh, so much you just have to pay attention and see what's picked up, because he's at a funeral, you get that it's his dead wife. You know, you have him waking up, you see pictures of his wife everywhere, they're flashing to her death as she's admitted into the hospital and everything. Uh, at the funeral, we see Willem Dafoe. Now, you know who Willem Dafoe is, right? Yes, yeah. He's the guy, Marcus, who keeps saving him. But, but you know who Willem Dafoe is outside of this, right? I've seen him in other stuff before. He, he kind of just looks like... He, he kind of... I don't know. He he looks like somebody who's really evil, though. Just to like, <laughs> like That's just the way he looks like. If if the devil was ever a person, he'd probably look like William Defoe. Do you, do you know what's funny about that is one of his breakthrough roles was playing Jesus Christ. So. <laughs> that's actually kind of funny because he looks like the devil. But, but he's known for playing these villains, which is why I think his role in this movie is another real good uh, swerve to the audience. Uh, because he's known the Green Goblin's the one you'll know him best from in oh, the Spider Man. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and he's always playing a slimy character. And uh, this is more similar to Clear and Present Danger, the Jack Ryan movies. He has a very similar character where it's like, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? You don't know. Uh, but just having Willem Dafoe in a movie like this also a big boost because you know you start to realize they're getting some pretty respectable actors in this movie, and he's the only one who's really talking to Keanu at the funeral. Um, 
he eventually goes home. You know, he's living this lonely life, you can tell. We know nothing about John Wick at this point. All of a sudden, there's a delivery guy at his door. And the delivery guy drops off what? A dog, but it's actually a delivery lady, not a man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Threw me off. I was so distracted by the beauty of Keanu Reeves. I couldn't tell the beauty of the woman behind him. Uh, but this is what most people knew about. I think one of the reasons this movie gained a bit of buzz. Do you remember the Samuel Jackson movie, Snakes on a Plane? I actually never watched it. But do you remember it? Yeah. Existing? Only that line where he's like, mother effing snakes. Yeah. Okay, but that movie, before it ever came out, before there was even a trailer, developed this cult following where people were like, it's a movie with Samuel Jackson battling snakes on a plane. And it's one of these things where it's just like, that sounds so absurd, it's got to be brilliant. And when this movie was coming out, the only way they could really promote it as was... Keanu Reeves goes on a revenge mission after somebody steals his car and kills his dog. And that's what people know it from to this day, which sounds funny, but like you watch these opening scenes, you realize it's actually quite heartbreaking. And if you go into this movie, you know, knowing that, and that's kind of the, the uh, uh, I guess, the knowledge people had, expecting more of, you know, I guess, a fun revenge movie. Like a Clint Eastwood get off my lawn moments, like you killed my dog. It's not that at all because it's actually very heartbreaking. Like when he gets this dog, he's reading the card that his wife left him before she died. And she's like, you need something in your life to love. You know, that's the only way you're going to actually survive. The card doesn't count. Yeah. And he says, the, the car, your card does not count, which is the other thing that sets it up. And his reaction to this is more like, like he's not an emotional guy. He has a couple of emotional moments in the series. But he's just sort of like, okay, a dog. And then what does he do? He pours in a bowl of cereal with milk. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says he'll get him some kibble later. Yeah, I'll get you some food later. So he's caring for this dog. But the whole idea is that his wife left him this because she was worried. He's like, what are you going to do without me? I, You need something that you can care about. Something that will keep you going. Cause, and, and the way that people will view this movie without seeing it as they kidnap his dog. And now he's out for blood. <laughs> like, I mean, he's in a trailer. It's so depressing. No, I think I think that his wife actually, by sending him the dog, the whole point of it was that she was trying to keep him from going back to that life. Because, well, like, even later in the movie, like, I won't spoil too much now, but... People have seen it if they're listening to this, I hope. Yeah, okay, whatever, then I'll spoil it. So, when he... Let's spoil two and three while we're at it, too. Three hasn't come out yet. Let's give the spoilers. When uh, John Wick uh, goes to the hotel later, and he's at the bar talking to... What's that guy's name again? Marcus? N- no. The uh, the other guy. The one who tells him Yosef is at the Red Circle. Oh, yeah. Well, Ian McShane's the actor. Uh, the character's name is written down somewhere. I forgot. Anyways. So, um, he said, if you so much dip a pinky into this pond, yeah. something will reach out and grab and, and you'll never get out again. Well, and I think his wife was just trying to prevent him from going back to this life. But see, that's the great thing about John Wick is that when we get into part two, that there's even more of this where you realize that they're not going to spell anything out for you and... You won't learn anything about this guy unless it comes up. This is it's like just observing a guy in his regular life. You get the brief flashbacks for his death her death, but you still don't know anything about it. You interpret this as that she doesn't want to go back to life. I watch this movie, I'm like, there is nothing specifically stated to the audience that she ever knew about his life before this. So I view the scene as it I view That's it as like true. it could just be she's worried, she knows the type of guy he is. Like, is he gonna have the will to live anymore? You know, but it's great. Like you, you have that theory. I have mine. That's what's so great about these movies is that you don't know anything about this guy and you really don't learn much 
other than the bits and pieces they throw in there. That same character, by the way, again, I forget his name. We'll, we'll bring it up at some point. For some reason, it's escaping me, but I love how he calls him Jonathan. John, well, because he's British, right? <laughs> well, no, everybody else calls him Mr. Wick or John, but he calls him Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Winston's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, we still get a little bit. This is why I kind of view it as like, does he have the will to live? What is he doing with all of his frustration with his wife's death? Because, you know, he goes through his morning routine. He heads out to the gas station. We'll get to it in a second. But he heads to the gas station. This is where the plot set up. And he's fueling up his car. And here comes Yosef. Now, what do we know Yosef from? Um, I only just recently learned Game of Thrones. Yes. So, uh, Alfie Allen, who plays Yosef, not even close, by far my favorite Game of Thrones character. Like, I love his character to death. And he's a character, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, who's supposed to be... He started as a character so despicable that, like, it wasn't even, like, a Darth Vader thing where it's like, oh, he's a villain that's cool. He was a guy that every single person watching the show is like, I want him dead. He's disgusting. He's vile. (laughs) I don't like him. And he had like this redemption story, but he's just, oh, I love him so much on Game of Thrones. And he's so good in here. Uh, It was, it's great to see him just getting a major movie role. I hope he gets more. Uh, But he's, you know, just admiring John's car. And throughout the course of their conversation, he starts speaking Russian. And we get that John actually speaks Russian too. Uh, and he's asking, like, what was the price? And he's like, it's not for sale. And he says, this, everybody's got a price or everything's got a price. Uh, so John just drives away and a little bit of a sinister introduction for Yosef here. Uh, after this, he goes to the runway. Now, this is the scene I was talking about. I think this is like, um, it, it's, it's some type of industrial area, but it looked like it was almost like an airplane runway or something like that. And they had, the, they had a hangar there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably something like uh, a runway or, uh, but he starts flooring it with his car, just speeding down this runway. And he's screaming and he's rounding corners. You can see this is probably just how he's taking out all his frustration. He slams on his brakes and has the car stop like inches before it smashes. And that's another thing that until at this point, you don't know who John Wick is or what his background is. You're thinking, was he trying to crash his car? Is he suicidal? Is this just showing what incredible driver is? You don't know. But this is like the only real emotional moment we get from him at this point of the movie. Uh, so, uh, speeding forward, uh, he goes home, his dog wakes him up in the middle of the night, he thinks he needs to take the dog out, instead you see guys in masks who just pound John to the ground, they, uh, ambush him, it's the only time anybody gets the upper hand on him in any of these movies, and, uh, they're there for the car, so this is Yosef, why is he wearing a mask if he was willing to reveal himself with the, I think he says that every, he, doesn't he say that everything's got a price line? Um, yeah, he does when he punches them out, yeah. Yeah, so why are they wearing masks? And you know, what I have to wonder is... Um, why did, like, I know they said, you know, shut that mud up or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. talking about the dog, but the dog, like, was this tiny little, tiny, tiny, tiny puppy. Like, they didn't have to kill the dog. And that's what makes this so great, because you it, could... It, it's not like it could hurt them, like a guard dog. Like, the the dog wasn't going to do anything. They they could have, like, locked it in the washroom for all they could care, like... Well, there's a scene that's coming up later on that really drives home why the dog's death is important because if this was just a movie about a stolen car it's cheesy it's something you expect Nicolas Cage to star in you know <laughs> Nicolas Cage yeah the bees the bees not the bees not the bees <laughs> not the car not the dog oh my god oh my god oh my god not the car <laughs> <laughs> if Nicolas Cage did John Wick what would 
be like, there'd be more talking in it for sure. I mean, he has good movies though. Don't get oh, me for wrong, sure. like, like Family Man or whatever it's called. And, yeah. No, and again, this is a knock against Nicolas Cage. I mean, we've praised <laughs> Nicolas Cage for things like Face Off on here, but like Nicolas Cage in a serious dramatic movie, he has some subtlety to him. Nicolas Cage in just a fun action movie, he is going to be so hamming it up. Yeah. And that's not Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah, when they kill the dog, they just stomp on this dog. Now, when I every time I rewatch this movie, I forget how little the dog factored into this. The dog's introduced. He's there in the car when he's at the gas station driving, and then he's home and he's dead. That's it. It's not like you see John form any attachment to this this uh, dog, which is also important to the character. That this dog that he didn't even get a chance to know is dead right away. So John uh, eventually wakes up after this. Um, well, they uh, they knock John out after unmasking themselves, which again he's living in the middle of nowhere. Why anybody would even see him, I don't know. John just gets out and he buries the dog. That's the first thing he does. And uh, we're just gonna uh, cover a whole opening section of this movie here. Um, Yosef drops the car off at Aurelio's. Now John Leguizamo plays Aurelio. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, he's very good. I really like him. He was in Two Wong Fu with um, Patrick Swayze and. Uh, Wesley Snipes, where they played drag queens. Did you ever see that? <laughs> Sorry, I was going to cough there. No, I've never seen it. Okay, great movie. Uh, John Leguizamo is an awesome actor. Uh, very small role in this one. I-, I love his line, by the way, when uh, he uh, he hits Yosef. And then, uh, obviously, Yosef's dad, you know, the big boss, calls him. He's like, I heard you stroke m- my son. Yeah, well, he stole John Wick's car. Yeah. And then he's just like the other guy, the, the guy who... Well, we'll get, okay, wait, why we... I'm saying, like, he's like the crime boss. He's like, oh, and then just hangs up yeah. the phone. Because it's like... Okay, we'll, we'll get there, okay? No, 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 I know, but... We'll just... get there, okay? Oh, we'll get so there. Exciting. I know, okay. Well, you Every single time we do one of these, you manage to jump ahead past what we're talking about. Anyways, so he drops the car off, and Aurelio's like, where'd you get that car? And he goes, oh, no, I took it and killed some guy's dog or whatever. And then this is such a great scene because you get how important Yosef is here. And Aurelio's just sort of laughing. He's like, you killed his car. You, you took his car, and you, you killed you, his dog. You effed up his dog. Yeah, he effed up his dog, right? And then he just punches Yosef in the face. And then everybody's reaction is like, do you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, you, know, you, you better get out of here or whatever. Um, so... This is the first clue that John Wick is somebody because there's instant recognition of you don't know whose car that is. Um, and uh, after this, uh, after he punches Yosef, um, there's... Oh, what, what is this, the scene? It, it, was it here where Yosef says, so what did I do? And he, and, and he says, it's not what you did, it's who you did too. No, that's what the dad well, says later, later on. Okay, yeah. So after this, Aurelio eventually gets a phone call as we're getting a lot of intercutting here. <laughs> uh, he gets a phone Sorry. call from Vigo. Yeah. And Vigo is the crime boss. Yeah. Now, this guy uh, played the main role in the, um, I believe, the original uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies. He then was the villain in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Now, you know how big of a Mission Impossible fan I am, right? Uh, for anything yeah. with Tom Cruise, yeah. Yeah, well, but especially Mission Impossible. Yeah, and even, even over John Wick, next to really only Star Wars and James Bond, Mission Impossible, my number one thing. I did not like this guy as the villain in Ghost Protocol. And Ghost Protocol is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Here he oh, is. So good. He's Perfect. amazing. And he's the Russian crime boss and the father of Yosef who killed the dog. And, uh, you know, he's talking to Aurelio. It's like, he struck my son. And he goes, yeah, well, he took John Wick's car. And as you said, he just says what? Oh. Oh, and just hangs and up the phone. hangs it up. Yeah. yeah, which is so good. Because, again, if you have not seen any trailers and you're watching this, 
you have no clue who John Wick is yet. They haven't even shown him getting the weapons. Then we have, uh, as he uh, talks to his son, mm-hmm. and his he punches his own son. Uh, he then is saying, you know, well, what did I do? And it's, it's not what you did, it's who you did it to. He goes, well, it was just, you know, some guy. Some effing nobody. Yeah, some nobody. That effing nobody is John Wick. Is John Wick. And then he says, they, we called him Baba Yaga. And the that means man. the boogeyman, but they said he's the boogeyman. It's like he's not the boogeyman. He's the guy you send to kill the boogeyman. The, the effing boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. And all of this is being intercut. And there's so much cutting back and forth in these movies where you have two scenes happen at the same time. This is being intercut as he's explaining Baba Yaga and uh, the, the the boogeyman and who John Wick is in his background with John Wick digging a sledgehammer into his basement. And he digs out this crate full of weapons that he's arming himself with, which is the first time we really see John Wick do anything in this movie. And they're explaining, like, okay, well, he used to work for us. You know, he was the guy you sent to kill the boogeyman. Vigo was saying that he he once seen him kill uh, how three people in a in a bar with a pencil. With a pencil, he says yeah. With a, an effing pencil. <laughs> and then they say he wanted to. He met a woman. He wanted to get out of the business. And we gave him an impossible task, something that we knew even he couldn't do. And he says, the bodies John Wick uh, laid, or, the, or what was it? The bodies he buried laid the groundwork for the empire we have today, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then it's all clear to the audience. Like, this guy is, you combine the equalizer with Jack Reacher, with Liam Neeson and Taken, mm. with the boogeyman and none of them touch John Wick. This is the most dangerous man in the history of movies. My ovaries are tingling. (laughs) You get really excited by these guys beating people up because it's the same thing with Jack Reacher. Every time Tom Cruise punches somebody in the throat, you get really worked up. I can't explain it. I just like it. And John Wick just with the, the, as they're cutting back with these weapons, they're explaining his background. It's, it's just such an amazing introduction to his character. And just they held off this long. So uh, anything you want to talk about for this entire opening of the movie? Anything you appreciate about it? Oh, I think I've said it all already. All right. So this is going to be... I'll, I'll keep commenting through, you though. Comment throughout, yeah. If there's anything you want to fill out on. All right. So um, this is all the introduction. And... Um, Okay, I have a line here. You got You've watched this more than. Oh, okay. So this is where Vigo calls. <laughs> you've jo- watched this more than me. Yeah, you have. One of the few uh, action movies you watch more than me. So Vigo calls John, uh, and he's trying to lay the piece. Like John, been a long time. And he's like, listen, I understand my son did something stupid. I want to make this right with you. And then John just does what? Well, okay. No, he calls him, and he said it's been a long time. And then he's saying, you know, condolences for your wife. And then he says, you know. Um, John Wick's still not saying anything, no words at all. And then he says, let's not resort to our baser instincts. And he's basically just trying to tell John, you know, be reasonable. It was just a dog type of thing. And um, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, John just hangs up the phone after uh, a few seconds there. And then the the guy who is like number one to Vigo says, uh, what did, uh, what what did, did he, he say? say? And then he says, enough. There is so, like, I want to give a lot of credit to the screenplay. Like, how cool for- is that? How cool is that? Well, that's the thing. Like, there's a subtlety with the screenplay because the plot is something that could have been in even a direct-to-DVD Steven Seagal movie, you know? There is nothing extraordinary about the plot in this. It gets more complicated in the second. But the writing in this is actually so smart. The guy who wrote this, Derek Kolstad, um, 
first I just want to say he came up with the idea for this movie um, of just wanting this guy who had this background. He wanted a guy who was evil, who got out of the life to become good, and then something drove him back into it. That's why the idea of this trilogy where it's like he keeps getting pulled back in was important. And this was meant to be a guy in his mid-60s. And instead they said, no, we just need a guy who, to the audience, feels like an old familiar face. And that's why it was such a big deal to have Keanu Reeves doing this action movie for the first time in a long time. Because they didn't want this to feel like an old man who suddenly, even though Keanu Reeves was like 50 by the time he did this, or almost 50, they didn't want this to feel like an old man who suddenly came back. They wanted us to feel like this is a, a guy, a legend, who is suddenly returning. We're not going to give you the legend story. We're going to give you the reunion movie. This is this is the second trilogy. This is like Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia coming back in episode seven, eight, and nine. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I do also have to say I don't know if you'll agree with me. Oh my, sorry, baby here has got his feet all in my ribs. Um, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I actually think that they did it perfectly too with his facial hair. That it made me... No, 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 listen. It made me be able to take him more seriously that way. Because well, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, to myself, I'm thinking, like, if he was, like, just clean-shaven, like, even if he is 50, but if he was clean-shaven like he was in The Matrix, honestly, I don't think I probably would have taken him as seriously. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Keanu Reeves, he perpetually looks young. Yeah. Um, He's in his 50s now. He could still pass for mid-30s if he wanted. And even in the days when same he was... Same thing will probably happen to you, Colin. Thank you. <laughs> most, most, most people think Colin's the same age or younger, but he's eight years older than me. Yeah. Um, I just turned 30. Yes. <laughs> you, you, uh, anyways. <laughs> I, put, I put it all out there. You, you had me counting how long until I get to Keanu's age, but, and how old you're going to be. But anyways, um, you know, why when you he was... switch me up for someone else? <laughs> well, Keanu didn't. I mean, if somebody kills my dog, <laughs> then, uh, I'll start living his life. But anyway, so Keanu, even when he was doing these, you know, grittier action movies like Point Break and Speed, he he has such a baby face that there's an appeal to him being in those movies, but yeah, he doesn't look gritty. He doesn't look scary. Yeah. And there's still something about that baby face look to him that fits this character because he's the guy you least suspect. Yeah. In, in the same way that Jack Reacher is the guy you least expect. Like, like that whole Baba Yaga thing. Like, yeah. But, I, I wouldn't think of him like that clean shaven. Yeah, but the the look with the, with like his his beard and everything does make him look a little bit more dangerous. Now, mm. getting back to what I was saying about the, the line where he's just like uh, enough, you know, uh, and oh, all these one word answers that say more than if you had written all this dialogue. And it's shocking the guy who wrote this movie had really done nothing else prior to this. He's done two smaller movies, and he wrote this. And there's such great dialogue in this movie. There's such subtlety with the characters. It's so complex. Uh, and so much can be said with just those one lines like, what did he say? Enough. And that was following Keanu saying nothing at all. It's just brilliant. Uh, so you know that Keanu's coming after them now. Mm-hmm. Um, you get uh, the first fight scene at his house as they send people to try to kill John. Uh, and of course, he's fighting them all off. And... Uh, huge props to the stunt choreography in this movie because this is where I think these Jerry action films really shine is by having these older guys doing hand-to-hand combat scenes where you can tell they really learnt the choreography and they're doing it in single shots. Like, there's so many long shots in here and when you watch younger guys doing these movies, they don't do it in these long shots and that's one of the things that's really impressive watching this. Uh, but the, the the house scene here where he's killing all these people and then all of a sudden after he's finished killing them, 
there's a, a ring on the doorbell, and there's a police officer who's like. And he and he, uh, I can tell every time Jamie has something to contribute, she just smiles and leans into her to be like, "I want to say the line. I want to say the line." Oh no, that's because okay, literally the only way I'm able to record right now is us sitting on the couch, and I have to lean away from you because you're on the right of me, and our twin that's on the right he keeps shoving his feet right now into my ribs, okay. so I can't sit there. But um, no, it's awesome because John doesn't even put like his gun in his pocket. He doesn't put it like on a shelf yeah. or throw it away. He literally just puts his arm behind his back with his gun still there, opens the door. He's like, hey, Jimmy. He goes, hey, John. And then the police officer just kind of leans his head in. And he's like, you working again? <laughs> and then John's like, nah, just sorting some stuff out. Okay, take care. See you later. Oh, you forget. He puts oh, in there. Like, oh, because he says we had a noise complaint. Noise complaint. Yeah. yeah. Noise complaint. Yeah. And here's the first clue, again, with the subtlety that they're laid out, I'm guessing, going to be over the whole trilogy. So much of the secret world of assassins we get into in the next movie, you realize how far the reach is of this. This friendly neighborhood police officer shows up at his door, knows there's dead bodies in the background, has heard gunshots, and he's just like, so you're working again? And he goes, no, just, you know, sorting sorting some stuff out. Okay. Well, take care, John. The, you know, even the police know what the deal is here. And they're like, it's not, it's not even thing like, we don't want to mess with John Wick. They're like, they're friends with John Wick. And I have a lot of theories about this once we get to the second movie about, you know, how much of the involvement of, of these people we see, like the police officers, how much of this was planned from the beginning, too. So then all of a sudden, Keanu replaces a phone call for a dinner reservation. And this is where the whole secret society of assassins really kicks in. Because he's talking about making this dinner reservation. And all of a sudden, this cleanup crew comes. Very professional. They're like, hello, sir. It's like, uh, you know, how we may have service today? Oh, okay, four bodies. All right. Uh, uh, oh, and the payment today. All right, thank you very much. They're so civilized with each other as this dinner reservation turns out to be a body cleanup crew. Mm-hmm. And I love this guy who's the cleanup crew, too. And he makes an appearance later on. Um, and... Uh, you get them paying with these gold coins. And this is going to become a big thing in this entire universe that the currency of all these assassins and the crime boss and everything are these gold coins that probably aren't even real. They're probably currency just made for them, but it all means something to them. So after this, John uh, has a contract on his life. So there's a $2 million contract put out for John Wick because, of course, when even Vigo's uh, reaction when they're like, oh, he took out the guys of the house, he goes, of course he did. $2 million contract on his life. Get whoever you can. And they cut to Willem Dafoe. So now we get a proper introduction to realize Willem Dafoe is another assassin. And he's sitting there juicing. Again, so civilized. And they're offering him the contract to take out John Wick. John checks into the Continental. Now, this is what I think everybody's favorite memory is of the first movie. Do you want to explain a little bit what the Continental is? It's basically a hotel... Uh, safe place for assassins, essentially, yeah. really. And, you know, we were talking about John Wick yesterday. We had Casper's birthday party. I was explaining to my brother, who has not seen John Wick yet. I'm like... He's the- never seen the first one? No. What? And I told him, like, watch what? the first so you can get to the second. But in this first movie, this hotel, it's... The the way I would compare it to is it's, it's kind of like you said, it's a safe house, but they operate like this is a five-star hotel... Yeah, you know, first class service for everything. You know, uh, can we press your clothes, sir? Do we need anything more today? Can I check your bags? They and they, a, they have a doctor there, a doctor in house. Every a single bar. person, <laughs> every single person who checks in, the only people who could check in this hotel are yeah. assassins. Yeah, and when you're in there, 
you are not allowed to touch anything. I compared this to Highlander, the Highlander movies, where it's like, you know, this is sacred ground or holy ground or whatever. You can't spill blood on, like, there's just rules. And this whole hotel, this is the, the centerpiece of the movie. This is what I think everybody loved about the first movie, which is why it's so good they expanded on this in the next one. Um, we get the introduction of Perkins here. Now, do you recognize Perkins from anything? I seen her from something else too. What was it? A lot of things. Okay, so uh, Adrian Palicki, who plays Perkins, we know her best from one of my all-time favorite shows, Friday Night Lights. You remember her? She played oh, the more trashier girl, the blonde one, the yeah, blonde one yeah, who's yeah. Uh, Tara, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, how she made a new career for herself is incredible and I think John well Friday Night Lights obviously started it but then John Wick now has made her into you know more of a serious like even action star uh, but the craziest thing about her is that this is one of those actresses that I despised for years she continually got cast in things that I loved that she either sucked in or that didn't work she was cast uh, you remember Smallville the end of season 3 no. There's a, a girl who walks out naked who says her name is Kara, which is, of course, Supergirl's name. And she's there for Clark and she knows everything about Krypton. This is how season three ended. So she was introduced in Smallville, hated her in Smallville. Then she did a pilot for Lost in Space, which, of course, you also know. Lost in Space, one of my all-time favorite TV shows. Uh, she did a pilot for a Lost in Space uh, TV show that John Woo directed that didn't actually get picked up to series where she played Judy Hated her in that too, even though it was a good pilot. She got picked up for a pilot of the first Aquaman TV series, which Justin Hartley, who's now on the show This Is Us, but he played the Green Arrow on Smallville. They did a spinoff, well not spinoff, but his own series of Aquaman called Mercy Reef. She starred in that, hated her in that. I never saw Friday Night Lights until the show was pretty much over. So it wasn't until I think John Wick before I saw her. I'm like, she's actually really good. And then you see Friday Night Lights and she's amazing. And you're falling asleep right now? Or are we watching the beginning of John Wick? Are you still here? I'm still here. I'm just tired. I'm pregnant. So she's kind of, I guess, the main foe for John in this movie. Uh, and there's just sort of a glance between her and John. You could already tell their rivals, like Perkins, John. And she's so snotty in this movie, too, which is great. <laughs> you, you love mean girls. I do. Um, especially when they can kill a man with their bare hands. Uh, just not me. Anyways, uh... So she gets introduced. John goes into Winston's club. This is Ian McShane, another famous actor from a TV show called Deadwood. Uh, And we'll get a lot more of him in the next movie. Uh, But here he's just sort of the guy running the club. And he has a conversation with John where um, (laughs) he say something like, uh, um, uh, he wants to have a talk with Yosef. And he goes, a talk, you say. (laughs) Everybody knows. Like, word is spread so quickly. I want to have a little talk with Yosef. Ooh, a talk, you say. And he says, have you returned to the fold? He goes, no, just visiting. Like, the way Keanu Reeves can deliver these lines without any emotion, mm-hmm. so monotone, a, a way that would usually be mocked for being poor acting, just fits this character so well, like uh, the man of few words, where he's like, just visiting. And this is that line you were talking about where he says, you know, you dip your pinky in the pond and something reaches out and drags you back into the depths. Um but I love the club scene too. We get more Perkins hanging in the background, you know, suspiciously looking at John. Um, we get uh, a mention here about uh, you know the contract. You know, we need to find somebody who's willing to break the rules. Uh, and then we're going to get to Yosef's pool party. So another one of my favorite people is in Yosef's pool party here. Do you know who that is? Uh, 
Isn't it the wrestler's name, Kevin Nash? Yeah. And by the way, I love that scene. when With Kevin Nash? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's where we're at. So, Yosef's having a little pool party here. Um, and he he just does not take this seriously at all. And, and how much bigger and, like, more muscular and giant-like is Kevin Nash compared to John Wick? And yet, the, the way that he treats him, like, yeah. he's like, thank you, sir. Like, it's just... You know, it's it's like, can I please have some more, sir? Yeah. Like, well, and, and see, that's what's great about casting Kevin Nash because you're not going to find a lot of people in movies that are the size Kevin Nash. And if people don't know, Kevin Nash was uh, probably one of those important wrestling stars of all time. You know, it was him jumping ship from WWF to WCW that basically turned around the wrestling business and actually. Uh, because of him jumping ship, essentially, and what started after that with you know Hulk Hogan joining force with Kevin Nash, WWF was the number two wrestling company in the world because WCW took over. One of the most important wrestling stars in history. He got into. He actually started in acting because his first role was playing the Super Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two. Because again, where are you going to find a guy who's seven feet tall and three hundred pounds of muscle? Uh, and then he he did a couple other acting roles. He was in the the Punisher movie with Thomas Jane and John Travolta, where he played the Russian with bleach blonde hair and eyebrows and wearing a sailor shirt, which is great. One of my favorite fight scenes in movie history. Uh, Kevin Nash also appeared in Magic Mike, which I don't know if you're interested in seeing Magic Mike since it's got a giant seven foot man's dong. Nah. No, no, don't care to see Kevin Nash's dong. No, it's it's not because of that. I, that other guy, he just looks stupid. Channing Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> He, you, looks, he looks stupid like he has an IQ of like two and a half. It's probably double what it is. But anyways, so Kevin Nash here, who is legit seven feet tall, 300 pounds of muscle, is the doorman at Yosef's club. And John just holds a gun up to the back of his head. And Kevin Nash is me like, hi, John. <laughs> he goes, I think you should take the night off. It's like, thank you very much, sir. Even their little conversation that they have where he's like, you look like you've lost weight. He's like, uh... Uh, saying that he's lost like um, well, what did he say? Like sixty pounds. 60 pounds yeah. Yeah, and and then uh, he's like, take the night off. He's like, thank you, sir, yeah. <laughs> and just walks away. Yeah, like he has just given up. He, this is his job is to protect the son of the most important man in the underworld. And he's like, I'm not gonna mess with John yeah, Wick. Like, this is John Wick. I'm walking away. <laughs> Same thing with Aurelio, you know. Um, so. And why, why doesn't Kevin Nash get beat up and killed for that? For dissing his job? Would you want to pick a fight with Kevin Nash? Well, no, but I'm saying uh, later on Vigo kills other people that obviously could have stopped his son from dying. Well, maybe he doesn't know which door John came in. Maybe. I mean, who knows? But anyway, so this is the whole scene where John goes after Yosef for the first time. So uh, the first thing he does is he takes out the guy in the bathroom, which I always love a good bathroom. There's something about bathroom fights that are so f- much fun. Like, Terminator 3 did it, True Lies did it, Mission Impossible Fallout. Remember Mission Impossible Fallout? There's a bathroom fight. That was a good one, yeah. I uh, I was just going to say, actually, too, in in the whole club scene, actually, I don't know why, but because it doesn't really seem like it would really fit the the tone for like the action, but actually, it really does, and I love the music. Yeah, you commented that the other day, and I was wondering, are you talking about like the score that plays, or are you talking about that... It's like the, the, that, that that, like, very classic sounding, you know, la, da, da, in the background. <laughs> it, it's it sounds kind of like a '40s song or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, like it does not belong in a scene where a guy is destroying an entire club. It's playing when uh, he actually gets to the area where Yosef is. Yeah, in the pool area. So um, now we're basically getting him beating up 
all of Yosef's bodyguards and Yosef just diving out of the pool with a towel wrapped around him, which oh, there's something so funny about this scene. And he was and he was being a coward holding a girl in front of him too. Yeah, and that's what's so great about Alfie Allen. Like, don't you just look at the guy and want to punch him in the face? Like, I'm not even talking about his characters. Does he not have one of those faces where you look and was like, you know, he looks like he could probably be a pretty good guy, but there's something about his face that I just want to punch. Yeah. Yeah, and and I love the guy for that. Like I, I'm a huge Alfie Allen fan, but he just looks like such a weasel, and that's why he fits these roles, like like so well, like Theon Greyjoy and and this and in Yosef and John Wick. Um, <laughs> when he's running, you know, uh, behind the pane of glass, one of the best shots in this movie, when he's b- running behind the, these giant panes of glass and John's shooting it, and the glass is shattering with Yosef running in a towel is just such a great shot. The way these hand-to-hand combat scenes are done, John is just like mowing through people one after the other in single shots. And then once they actually, Yosef's running through the club, through this nightclub, the music overpowering the gunshots and the screaming from people is such a great trick that they made in making this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huge. It, it was so good. And it's so funny because when he's running through the club and there's a loud music where it's like, do, 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 with all the bass and stuff like that to cover yeah. up everything. He All that he can do is he looks like a deer in headlights with his eyes and he's just pointing at John Wick because like as he's, yeah. run, as he's running, I mean, because he's just such a coward. Yeah. Like I love Alfie Allen. He's just, he's just, hey, it's him. It's him. And everybody else doesn't know what he's talking about until they start seeing bodies flying, blood splattering and John Wick shooting people and breaking necks. And yet like a minute earlier in the movie... Uh, you could obviously tell that one of the top guys who's watching Yosef who is like uh, comes to him in the pool and he's like, "I'm not here to babysit a a drunk teenager, basically." Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, uh, uh, "You're not scared of the boogeyman?" And he's like, "No, well, you should be." Yeah, <laughs> talking about John Wick. And, and you know what's another really great shot here? Like when we have all that violence happening in the foreground and then the 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 sound drowning all the everything out. Um, you have that shot where he's trying to get to one of the bodyguards and there's a guy, I think he's under a table or something like that. And John shoots his toe yeah. so that the guy will basically bounce. Oh, oh. And then he's like, now I got a headshot. Yeah. There's a lot that, of that's, detail. That's when he's hiding, uh, just around a wall. That's what you're Well, it's like about. a pillar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's something so great about the way these fights are choreographed. That's different from other movies because, you get movies like Jack Reacher, The Mission Impossibles, The Taken movies, where they're doing hand-to-hand combat moves that you haven't seen before. It's not just the old-school days of punching and kicks. But the way John Wick fights, every time he does something, you're like, that's smart. Who would think of that? Because he's just he's on top of everybody. He's not the strongest guy in the world, but he's the smartest. And these things just instantly come to him, and there's going to be things later on, too, uh, that I'm going to point out, like some of these little action moments where I, I thought to myself for a while, when I'm like, we're going to be coming to John Wick movies. How much can we really talk about? Because so much is just punching, kicking, chopping, shooting. And you realize like they do, you, you could do a blow by blow of just this fight scene and talk about it for an hour and a half of this club scene. It's so good. Uh, so after this, what do we do? Uh, th- there's a bit of a, a fight scene. John gets a little bit injured. Um, Eventually, he ends up back at the the Continental, uh, and he's going to the front desk. He's bleeding. This is why this whole underworld is so great. This hotel, he's at the front desk, and he's like, uh, is the doctor in? He's like, yeah, 24-7. And it's like, send him up, please. And then he's like, uh, how's your laundry? And what's the, the desk guy's fine? I'm afraid nobody's that good. Yeah, he's got blood soaked all over his suit. 
but again, there's no panic. It's like they see this every day. Yeah. So he goes upstairs. Uh, the doctor is checking him out. He's stitching him up. Um, he eventually asks him. He's like, what you know, kind of mobil- what kind of mobility am I looking at? Yeah, and he's like, well, it's like uh, if you take two of these pills, the stitches will tear. You're gonna bleed, but you'll have full mobility. Yeah. Yeah. So this doctor just knows exactly what's going on. Uh, so yeah, because he it's so funny because the first thing he had said, he's like, well, if you're looking to heal, you know, like two to three days, but if you still have business to attend to, take two of these beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when, now we get the Perkins fight. So that line earlier on about finding somebody who's willing to break the rules, uh, we're going to see in part two how seriously they take it when you do do business on continental grounds. Like, you, you can't hurt anybody else here. Uh, this is like being in an embassy. Like, hey, you can't touch me here. Uh, Perkins has this fight. So he all of a sudden starts trying to kill John. And you have this fight scene where he's just groggy and waking up, but he's still taking her out eventually he gets the upper hand on her and he ties her up as they're fighting out in the hallway. And uh, you get Harry, this this old associate, an aging assassin here who's talking to John. And, and he's, he's like, do I know you? And he's like, I'm thinking so. And then he's like, hey, John. Hey, Harry. Like, just, yeah. just, just all casual. Like, his arm's just kind of like hanging there. He's like, hey, Harry, how's it going? Yeah. And then, um, you know, John basically says, hey, how would you like to earn a couple of coins? So he's basically saying, I'm going to have you watching Perkins. So, they do get some information out of her for uh, where he's supposed to go. And then there's the line here about, uh, you know, uh, do you need a dinner reservation perhaps? He goes, perhaps. I'll get back to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, <laughs> was, that was before. That the was noise complaint. Yeah. yeah. So after he had you know, subdued Perkins, he gets a phone call. It's like, we've had a couple of calls about some noise complaints on your floor. Mm-hmm. Do you need a dinner reservation perhaps? Perhaps. I'll get back to you. Like, I'm undecided if I'm going to kill her or not. Uh, after this, now he finds out where he's supposed to go. So we get this Russian Orthodox church or whatever. They got this ceremony going on. And John Wick walks into a church and starts shooting up the priest. Yeah. It was so funny, too, because the priest comes and like, it's like, how may I help you, my son? And then he just, like, starts, like... Uh shooting up everybody there and shoot she shot the priest once like take me to the vault mm-hmm. yeah and then i love what yeah he takes in the vault so you realize this this church this russian underworld you know they've got it's a cover-up it, it's a cover yeah they, they basically have in the basement a vault with all their money you know all these files blackmail. everything they need blackmail material we find out later on and john's telling him you know open the vault and the priest is like are you kidding vigo will kill me and here let's give hold on you could give you could give the john wick do you know the john wick response where he goes vigo will kill me yeah and then he just shoots the other guy you missed it no 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 he shoots the other guy and then he goes like this he goes "Uh uh-huh yeah exactly Uh (laughs) uh-huh vigo will kill me bang Uh uh-huh like i don't care (laughs) and then he just i'll I'll kill you and then he burns the money with a flare yeah, because the, the priest is like, what are you going to do with all that? And he, and then he's just, he burns it. Yeah, yeah. just burns the money. Uh, so we cut back to the Continental, and um, yeah, Harry's watching Perkins there. Uh, they have a conversation where he tells her, you are no lady. Which <laughs> yeah. is great. She breaks her thumb so she can get out of the handcuffs. Yeah. Remember, you got to actually come over here a motion for me to move the microphone. Yeah. Then then you need to tell me you want the microphone, otherwise I won't know. Um yeah, so then she breaks out of her cuffs and kills Harry, which is sad. Uh, and um, John goes after Vigo here. So we're getting close to the end of the movie. Uh, we get 
uh, a bit of a scene here with, um, uh, I guess we start to see Vigal lose it a little bit from this point on. Would you say that, like, the performance from, I, I gotta find the name of the actor. Um, you have anything you want to say in the meantime? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I just think to myself of, um, uh, with the other thing, like, with John Wick, obviously, I don't think he would have been punished if he did end up killing Perkins because she's the one who broke into his room and was trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how that works, though. But because uh, obviously they end up killing her because she was trying to do business on, you know, the Continental Grounds. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's kind of sad because the William Defoe guy, Marcus, he was such a great character. And I You're feel like... jumping way ahead. No, 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 I'm not. I'm saying I am saying I wish that he was in this movie more and, and stuff like that than he, oh. than, than he was. But I'm saying if John killed Perkins, then Marcus would have still been around. Well, here's, here's the thing. I actually forgot about that part. So the reason that, that Perkins doesn't kill John, like, John is the most dangerous man, but they give a few moments here that show weakness or, or I guess where he needs a little bit of help because he Kirkin's about to kill him in his sleep yeah. and you're seeing this cutting back and forth with Marcus Willem Dafoe with a sniper rifle pointed at John Wick and in the end he sees Perkins break in the room and he shoots a bullet into John Wick's pillow just to wake John up so it's like you wonder did he would he have killed John or was this yeah, like who knows no, he just keeps trying to save his butt right so anyways the actor who plays him I'm not I remember why I couldn't remember his name we tried this during Mission Impossible uh Michael Niv Niv Nikvis Nikvis Can you pronounce this? I can't. N Y Q N Y Q V I S T Swedish. Nyquist. What's the Q sound like? Quist. What's the V for then? Nyquist. Let's try again. Nyquist. Nyquist. Hey, that sounds right. Nyquist. Nyquist. Let's just call it that. Let's see if. You know what? They, sometimes they have phonetic spellings on here, so I'm gonna click on Wikipedia. Uh, Nike. Hey, you got it, Nikevist. I got it. All right. Uh, so yeah, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. I actually found him really cheesy because I don't know if it was poorly written character, or it's just because it was one of his first English language movies. But there's a subtlety in the way his performance changes here, where it starts with him being this powerful crime boss, and then it becomes, you know, a guy who's just really taking things seriously then it becomes a guy who becomes really nervous and at this point it almost starts to become there's a little bit of humor to it um but right here when john goes after him eventually they knock john out with a car it takes smashing with a car to knock him out and now vigo's got john locked up and he's basically saying do you know what was in that vault and he's saying it was basically the leverage he had on the entire city so without having to come out right and say it because of all the subtlety in the screenplay you're implying this is like you know, uh, videos, files, corruption, um, everything they have that they could hold against somebody for blackmail materials, money, who knows. And uh, when he says, you know, that was the leverage I had in the whole city. And do you remember, here, I'll give you all the great Keanu lines. That was the leverage I had on this whole city. I actually don't remember that line. He goes, yeah, I kind of enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they have a little throwaway line here. It's like, yeah, um, you had a wife, I had a son or whatever. Uh, you got the better end of the deal. <laughs> and I love that Vigo here, it's not like he has disdain for his son because he's basically doing this all to protect his son. He could very well, if, if he honestly didn't care about his son, he could just said, John, kill him. So you get that he's somewhat protective over his son, but he thinks his son is an idiot because he even says it here, it's like, you had a wife, I had a son, you got the better end of the deal. 
you know, he knows the whole time his son is dead. He's just, he's trying to prolong it. Um, and then he says, so this is the line he was talking about. It wasn't the phone conversation earlier. He says, John, it was just a dog. And he says that dog, you know, uh, was a, the last gift from my dead wife and to give me some semblance of hope. And, uh, and then he, oh, and then we get Your maybe. Son took that from me. He killed that from me. And, and your delivery is. And so I'm thinking, you know, people have been asking, am I back? And I haven't really had an answer. But now I'm thinking, yeah, I'm back. It sounds cheesy the way Jamie delivers it. <laughs> but Keanu does it in a way where it's like, man, I actually really feel for this guy. Because it's the first time he's lost it. And it's the only time where he really explains the plot of the movie. Like we said earlier, the dog's just dead. And you're like, they didn't have to kill well, the dog. And, and it's so funny because like you get, like you had said before, you, you get from the impression of the movie. It doesn't go into a whole background of a story or anything or who he is. But... You understand pretty quickly that this guy is always in control of himself, always in control of his emotions. First time he's really losing it. And mm-hmm. earlier in the bar when he's meeting Winston, he sees, uh, I, I again don't remember the name, but he sees the bartender, the lady. Yeah. Um, I think her name's a- something with an A, Ali or Andy or something. I don't know. And uh, Oh, Adam. No, no. It's a girl name, but it starts with an A. Anyway, so. Um, oh, Alfie. Shh. Anyway, so with the... Her name's Anyway? Okay, let's call her Anyway. Okay, Anyway. Anyway. Maybe. Maybe. So she's talking to John and she's like, I've never seen you like this. And he's like, what do you mean? And she says, vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love that so many people know him in this movie. It's just, it's so subtle. And nobody fears him. That's the great thing. He is the man to fear, but everybody's... respect. Yeah, because everybody just treats him with respect. It's like... It's like Don Corleone, you know, when people uh, – and I hadn't really even thought about that until you mentioned, you know, the bartender there. All these people know who he is and they know what's going on right now and they don't have this fear for him. It, you know, if this were Jack Reacher, people would be like, oh, it's Jack Reacher, right? But with John Wick, it's more like a Don Corleone thing. Now, he wasn't the crime boss. He's just the underling. He's the guy that the crime boss says, go break his neck. But – the way they treat him is like a godfather, where it's like they almost want to kiss his hand, but it's more friendly than that, you know? Uh, but anyway, so yeah, that line, the way Keanu delivered it, he got some great praise for his performance in this. And Keanu's never really been praised for his acting performance. Uh, I think that he's very underrated in a couple of dramatic movies, particularly The Devil's Advocate. He is incredible in. Um, okay, yes, that's... Addie is her name. Addie, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to call her anyway. Did you think that she was hot? No. She's not really my type. No? No. You don't think so? No. I think she's hot. She is two minutes in the movie, and you talked about her for double her screen time. Anyway, I just, it was going to bug me if I didn't remember her name. All right. Let's call her Adam still. Anyways, so, oh, let's call her anyways. Anyways, uh, yeah, the way he delivers that, you know, uh, people keep asking me, and I haven't had an answer, but yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Uh, It's so good. And then um, they put the bag over his head to kill him. And we get Willem Dafoe f- making the save again. Yep. Uh, we get John Wick doing a fight scene while he's handcuffed. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of things that are clever just in how the choreography is in this movie. And then there's a lot of things that are clever. You're like, wow, I've never seen a fight scene with a guy handcuffed before. Uh, and then we get John eventually, as Vigo's trying to run, he s- storms outside. He climbs on top of the moving vehicle. He fires shots through the windshield. And Vigo goes, cool it, cool it, cool it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where, as I said, the humor kicks into Vigo's character. And I honestly kind of 
interpret this as Vigo's just, if Vigo knows, I'm in way over my head. I can't take any of this. And Vigo starts to mentally lose it from this point on. Would you agree or do you have a different theory? Oh, no, he for sure does. Because even uh, one of the last guys that's there is like his bodyguard to protect him. Um, uh, Vigo's laughing at him when he's uh, asking Vigo for a gun. Because Vigo's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, John's going to kill you too, basically. Yeah. And it, it's it's kind of funny, like, you know, how everybody is actually helping John and stuff like that. Like, even, even Winston calls him before the scene even happens. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we live by a certain code. And, I, you know, I'm going to tell you that there's a certain uh, helicopter or a certain helipad that's being fueled for a certain mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. And that's how John actually knows where Vigo is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you got these people who are... And- you don't get the impression that any of these people are helping. Like, here's the great thing. Vigo is a character, or even the, the whole Vigo, you know, Yosef family, you never get the impression that they're hated. This movie could have easily been played in a way where it's just, oh, they're so dirty, and we want to help John Wick because we want to take them down. These people are probably happy with Vigo. Yeah. Like, everybody holds him in high regard. They respect him. But it ultimately comes down to, they're like, you know what? Uh, I either have to choose to take John Wick's side or Vigo's, and I'm taking John Wick's. And it's not because, oh, John Wick's such a great guy. It's because that's John Wick. <laughs> that's Baba Yaga. You know, you don't want to mess with him. Oh, that's one of my, uh, that's one of my twins' middle names is Baba Yaga. Yeah, let's, let's just call the twins Baba and Yaga. How about that? <laughs> uh, so after this, uh, he basically is telling uh, Vigo, tell me where Yosef is. And he's like, I'm not going to give up my son. But he does. <laughs> because at this point, he knows that he, it's, it's either me or my son. And he says, also, pull the contract, the contract on his life. So Vigo makes a phone call, and now there's no more contract on John's life. Well, and I like the part where he's like, sorry, I know I need to tell you, uh, but I like the part where he's he's uh, telling John, he's like, they know you're coming, and John's like, it won't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And... Yeah, uh, they do know he's coming because as uh, Yosef's bodyguards are all playing Call of Duty or something, Yosef uh, is, for the first time, panicked. And you can tell it because he's telling them, shut up those stupid video games, <laughs> just in his weaselly way. And they're getting everybody to check in. They're like, you know, uh, the, the different bodyguards. It's like, you know, uh, uh, agent number one, check in, check. Number two, check in. And eventually you realize John has already killed, off camera, has killed one of these guys. And he's checking in as a third bodyguard as he's aiming a gun inside. John shoots the guy playing video games. And the look on, I wish I could freeze for him at the look on Yosef's face. Yeah, Jamie's doing it right now. Eyes bugging out of his head. Sheer panic. Like a child. You know, that, that's just seen the most terrifying image they've ever seen. Like, they, they, like, they just saw, you know, a, a clown, an evil clown, come out of... Eating a puppy. Eating a puppy coming out of a witch's cauldron or something. <laughs> and Yosef looks like this. And John starts shooting everything up. So now we get the big safe house attack where he's going after Yosef. Uh, this is almost the, the end of the movie here. We're actually getting close. Um, so uh, John takes out the bodyguard. Uh, eventually he, he chases down Yosef here. Um, he kills Yosef, which happens really quickly. Like he just sort of corners him and he fires one shot to take him down and then fires one more shot. Now, if I had one complaint about this movie, did you want a better death for Yosef? Uh, well, you know what? Honestly, like it, it did surprise me a little bit just because, um, he had his chance where he could have easily shot him in the pool. Yeah. earlier and he actually hesitated or, because no if you'll remember the way that it happened was john was bending down 
and he was shooting. Well, I know you remembered it. Yeah, he was bending down. He was shooting yeah. another guy in the head, and he was literally just staring at at uh, Yosef. And then uh, Yosef is just again like panicking, and John doesn't try to run towards him or even try to even take a shot at that point. He he just actually starts to walk just very slowly and and uh, and um, like almost like a a wildcat stalking its prey. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he could have killed him earlier in the pool. So it, it, I think for that part, it just it makes you seem like, oh, that's it. Yeah, well, no, but here's the thing. Not necessarily even in a bad way. It's just he could have easily just killed him earlier if he just wanted to kill him like that. Stylistically, I understand why the directors chose to do this. And these are guys who had never directed a movie before. They're basically stunt men and stunt choreographers, which is why it's crazy they made such a good dramatic movie and such an innovative action movie uh, that's become a phenomenon now. Because these guys had no experience directing. But I understand the choice they made. Now, if you're following the story for the first time, I think it's the right move. The audience is so emotionally invested in this is him going after Yosef that if they built up to a big death scene with Yosef and then they tacked on the additional action stuff later on, you might feel like, oh, this is too much. Like, there's a lot of movies like that where it's like, oh, a third, fourth, Lord of the Rings, famous for that. We got another ending of this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get why you're doing that, but when I watch this a second time, I already know there's more to come. I kind of want that moment with Yosef. But I think the reason why we get this very brief end to Yosef is A, John Wick's not the guy who's going to sit there and make a speech. I think he just wanted to look at him face to face before he shot him. But more than anything, I think it was just a decision of we don't want to exhaust the audience. We want If we kill end it like this, the audience is going to know there's more to come. And you don't want them to feel like, oh, I can't take any more after this. But anyways, Yosef's dead. And poor Alfie Allen, you know, he's had a tough week, hasn't he? Let's not spoil anything else in case people haven't watched anything. Uh, uh, Love Alfie Allen. Please come on the show, Alfie Allen. I'm your biggest fan. I really am, am I not? What? I really am, am I not? Alfie Allen's biggest fan. Yeah, you are, sure. Yeah, I love that you're like, oh, I can't understand you. You're falling asleep again. This is just like when we saw John Wick in the theater. Sorry. You know what? When you're pregnant with twins, you can tell me how it is. What's going to be your excuse in 48 hours when you're no longer pregnant with twins? That, that I'm going to have two babies to take care of. Okay, what's going to be your excuse in 20 years? What was your excuse before you had babies? You did this all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what? There's Okay, I'm pulling up a counter. There's there's 20 hours and 27 minutes until my C-section, and then I'll forever have two more children and just forever be tired for the rest of my life. Okay, well... A lot to look for, it's a lot to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, 15 minutes of John Wick before you can finish the movie. So, after the movie ends here, John's just willing to let it go. He checks out of the hotel... And I love that they, they give him a new car. It's like a new car is a compliments of the uh, hotel, you know, this because of the disturbance he went through with Perkins. And um, uh, John eventually runs into uh, Willem Dafoe here uh, where, where he says, you look terrible. And he goes, no, I look retired. <laughs> that would have been a great line to end the movie on. Perkins is still watching them. Uh, Marcus eventually gets kidnapped and or not kidnapped but they come to his house uh vigo and everybody and they're gonna kill him now why are they killing him 
because he didn't take the chance to kill John Wick when he could have. And he, he didn't even actually say anything about uh, that he helped John Wick in any way. He said, you had every opportunity yeah. and you well, didn't take it. Because Marcus says, you pulled the contract. And he says, no, you had plenty of opportunities before that and you didn't do it. Uh, so they're basically about to kill Marcus. And Marcus says, no, I want to go out on my own terms. Uh, which is him trying to fight off everybody before eventually... Getting shot like a thousand times to death. Yeah. And uh, very important part coming up here, uh, Perkins gets cornered. Now, we're going to see more of this in part two, where there's just a crowd of people just in public suddenly surround her. And they talk about... Here we see Ian McShane's character again. Uh, Why do we keep forgetting his name? Winston. Okay, you need the microphone. Winston. (laughs) Can you do it like Ghostbusters style? Winston! No. Deep voice. Winston. Winston. You don't remember Ghostbusters 2? They're all... Okay. The only thing I remember from Ghostbusters that's like the best line in like any movie ever is, yes, it's true, this man has no dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. No, the other line's better. It's like, yes, it's true, this man has no dick. Well, Ghostbusters 2... There's um, the part where they're all uh, underground in the, the tunnels or whatever, in the, the old sewer tunnels, and they're yelling their names down there to hear the echoes. They're like, uh, um, hello, hello, hello. And then the X guy yells, hey, hey, hey. And then Zedmore yells, hello. And there's no echo, and you just hear a ghost voice yelling back, Winston. Great moment. We should cover it this year. <laughs> it's coming up on uh, this year. Oh, this year is the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters 2. Nice. Anyway, so uh, Winston says, Perkins, your membership has been revoked. They all surround her and kill her. This was because she attacked John on sacred ground, the, the holy ground, the, the Highlander ground, the, the continental. Uh, that's going to be very important next week when we get into part two. Uh, so, the, uh, oh, and the best part here. Okay, so they surround her. She drops. Winston walks out of frame just as which guy is walking back into frame. I forget the guy's name, but it's the one who is with the cleanup crew. Yeah, the dinner reservation. So we get Winston walking out of frame as dinner reservation guy walks back giving, into frame. Giving him a couple coins. Yeah, giving him the coins. Oh, such a good moment. You're going to have to motion, at least for the microphone, as you slowly move your giant pregnant belly towards me here. Sorry. I have to kind of lean on you that way. I got a bunch of feet in my ribs. They're not mine, by the way. So we're getting close to the end of the movie here. So now everybody's betraying everybody. Uh, Vigo's killing Marcus just because he didn't kill John. Uh, Winston is killing Perkins because she broke the rules on continental ground. And uh, the dinner reservation guy just cleans everything up. Um, so we find out the uh, this is the moment you mentioned about Winston telling about the helicopter. Uh, John goes after Vigo here because he saw that Marcus was dead. Mm-hmm. So honestly, here's the, th- here's the other thing. I think John would have been willing to walk away at this point. I think that he killed uh, he took Yosef. Care of his business, yeah. yeah, and he would have let bygones be got bygones. So really, Vigo, who started this, is why I think it was so important in that cool it, cool it, cool it scene that we see he starts to mentally lose it. He didn't have to kill Marcus, and he must have known that that if Marcus was helping John, that would just drive John up the wall because that's what happens. It's only because Marcus is dead that John goes after Vigo here. We get the entire climax with the car chase, uh, you know, uh, on the the runway again. Uh, as they're on the way, to the helicopter. Uh, Vigo laughing the whole time. Uh, I love. The, the, here's maybe the best action moment of the entire movie here during the car chase, 
as Jamie is actually, I just want to illustrate this, people. Jamie has stood up. She's bending over uh, as if she's about to throw up, but it's actually just to get her back in a better position. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is a one. If we could video this, this would be the best podcast we've ever done. A woman 20 hours and something minutes away from giving birth to twins talking about John Wick. God help me, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> Just cut them out already. We went out for lunch and I ate an entire pizza and I don't even know where I put it. I'm in so much pain. I'm literally sitting here dying. But I love John Wick so much that I'm fighting through the pain. She's actually on her knees with her elbows on the couch that we're sitting on. Because this is the only place we could record. If this, I don't even know what the sound quality is off. We're not actually behind a proper microphone at a desk the way we normally are. Uh, we're sitting on a couch with a laptop. And Jamie is on her knees. <laughs> uh, elbows on the couch. I'm dying. She's dying. Slowly. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap this up then. <laughs> so... During the car chase, the coolest action move uh, of this entire movie is where John's shooting all these guys. He's still in the vehicle. There's one guy who is behind a giant pillar, and John drives his car around the pillar, does a U-turn, slams on his brakes, does a U-turn around the pillar so he could shoot the guy behind it, and then just keeps driving back in the direction he came, which was incredible. That was really cool. Yeah, the the, the car scenes. In the- you notice how our voice is lowered now? Like, oh... <laughs> that's because I'm in pain. The car chase in this uh, last couple scenes is amazing. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, and, you know, it's a mixture of a car... Like, it's a one-of-a-kind thing. It's a car chase slash fight scene at the same time. Because the way that this ends is, um, you know, y- you have the the guard going out the side window of the vehicle. You have Vigo ramming his SUV into John's. John's SUV is... Basically being pushed towards a bridge, John breaks out the back window of this vehicle and jumps out of it as it's pushed over. Vigo and John eventually finally get their showdown. Uh, as he says, no more guns, John. And then he's like, no more bullets. We're professionals. Or he says, we were professionals. Uh, we were civilized. And then uh, <laughs> what's the response here that John has? Uh I forget, actually. What is it? Uh, does this look civilized to you? Oh, yeah. Does this look civilized to you? Yeah, sorry. I'm actually in the middle of having, like, quite a few contractions. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> They're coming now. No, seriously. Feel feel my stomach. Okay. That's, that's are, are these things going to pop out? In the... No, it's just, it's just contractions. It's just... We it's, should... It's uncomfortable and painful. We should clarify for people... This isn't like in TV and movies. You can get contractions on and off for weeks before babies come. It's not... The, 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 oh, the water just broke! Oh! No, it didn't actually. <laughs> I'm dedicated to finishing this, and so is Jamie. Push! Push! <laughs> Stop it. Push! Stop. I can see the head's crowning! Yeah, one of them? Oh, yeah, one. Sorry, this is going to be a long... We'll get the second one out during part two. That's what we'll do. <laughs> So anyways, um, we get the hand-to-hand uh, fight scene here, which is a very important thing I want to talk about in the trivia. Um, the way that John wins this. Now, the only time John gets hurt here, what's the only way that John actually gets hurt in this scene? Um, how, how does it end? 
You know, honestly, I can't remember. I think my concentration is waning. So help me out, Colin. So Vigo has the knife. He's bringing it towards John. John basically grabs his hands and pushes Vigo's knife into his own chest. Stabs himself, right? Yeah. Once that... I'm going to try to... In case people didn't catch it or you didn't, I'm going to visualize this, okay? Yeah. So Vigo's trying to stab John. John can easily overpower him. And that's an important point to note because the directors originally had a much larger fight here. And they wanted to very much scale it down... Because they said it's not going to be realistic to think that Michael Nykvist is going to overpower Keanu Reeves, especially this character. Mm-hmm. So the only real fight back he gets from him is this knife moment. And Keanu grabs his – he grabs uh, Vigo's hand as Vigo's trying to stab him. And he assists Vigo in stabbing himself in the chest. Stabbing John, stabbing himself in the chest. So Vigo's now stabbed John only because John helped him stab him. And then he breaks Vigo's arm. So he basically allowed himself to get stabbed only so he could break his opponent's arm. <laughs> and then after that, we get the end of Vigo and the end of the fight scene. Yeah, where he's just sitting in there in the rain dying. Yeah, and that, that's the beginning of the movie, in the rain dying, which, again, I kind of thought, well, this is how the movie was supposed to end. Um, it doesn't end, though. How did I get through an hour and a half of recording with you when I'm in this much pain? I don't know. Aren't you glad we're waiting until the babies come to do part two? Um, so we're back at the opening of the movie. He's watching the video. Uh, then he goes inside. This is where the opening left off. And you realize it's a kennel or a vet's office or something like that. He, uh, you know, he pours some peroxide on his stab wound. He staples himself. And then he finds one of the dogs inside this kennel and then walks away. Yeah, Yeah. walks the dog home. And that's the end of the movie. Now, here's what's great about this. This ended like a one-off movie. It didn't end like, oh, I have to see the second part. When I saw this the first time, I didn't feel like... There wasn't any loose ends, really. Right, and this is where it's going to get so brilliant when we get into next week and why I believe John Wick Chapter 2 may be one of the greatest sequels ever made. And in my opinion, it is the greatest action sequel ever made because it perfectly plays out like the story is meant to continue. But when you see this for the first time, it feels like a complete ending. Uh, So anything you want to add on the ending of John Wick here as we slowly start to wrap things up? No. Okay, so we do have some things to attend to here. Um, let's. I, I gotta go pack my hospital bag for well, tomorrow. Well, wait until we finish this, okay? Because I'm not gonna finish I'm this. Going this uh, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I, I really wish we'd done a video for this. So, anyways, um, this movie comes out box office wise. Let's go through it. First of all, considering how big this franchise has become, I really did compare this to Born for more reasons than one. The first Born movie made a hundred million dollars. But in comparison to other movies that came out at the time, it wasn't like a massive runaway hit. The first John Wick makes $43 million domestically. Uh, overseas, it makes $45 million. So less than $100 million worldwide. But it developed this, I, I hate to say cult following, because it was one of these things where it came out. And maybe because it was R-rated and it came out during October when all the people went to the movies. To me, it never felt like it was a cult fault. Jamie has actually <laughs> leaned over now. She has fallen over on the couch, and she's trying to push herself up, and she keeps falling back down again as she's pushing herself up. I can't get up. <laughs> I'm like a seal, like flapping its wings over here. I can't get up. The best part is you're going to forever be able to listen to this episode and hear yourself how winded you get by doing things like talking and breathing <laughs> you're like why are you out of breath jamie 
because I was breathing. <laughs> I was living. I, I exist. Existing. Yeah, existing. Exactly. He exists. Therefore, I am Eve. Uh, <laughs> you're looking at me like... <laughs> you know, you have a tendency to do things that I try to not bring up on the air. Do you just want to spoil what your, your, your thing is now? I'm really sorry. I stood up too quickly and I farted. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and it's pregnancy farts, so it smells. Do you want me to cut that from the episode? Do I have any edit points to make your... No, it's okay. All Everybody right. knows that pregnancy farts smell. Okay. <laughs> they really... Nobody's going to breed after this is over. You have killed procreation for every single listener of this show. Anyways, uh, so we're looking at like $85, 90000000 dollars domestically. Uh, the weekend it comes out, though... For a movie with Keanu Reeves, who is not a big box officer, not really even having theatrical movies anymore, doing a generic Jerry action film uh, that opened a week before Halloween, the fact that this opened number two at the box office, uh, $14.5 million, was quite impressive when it first came out. I think that's it was a lot of people just the buzz of Keanu Reeves' back. It was similar to what happened with Peppermint back in the fall. It wasn't like it was a massive hit. But people were like, oh, Jennifer Garner's back doing action. That's so, kind of funny that it's so close to Halloween, and yet it's so much above Annabelle. Well, Annabelle had been out uh, for how many weeks at this point? A month already. Oh, okay. But a Ouija, the Ouija board movie, opened number one this weekend with $20 million. John Wick was number two. Fury, in its second weekend, that was a World War II movie with Brad Pitt. Uh, that was number three. Gone Girl, that was a huge hit. Uh, that was uh, number four. The Book of Life, number five. Uh, St. Vincent, Alexander, and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, The Best of Me with James Marsden, uh, Dracula Untold, and The Judge with Robert Downey Jr. round up the top 10. Uh, so overall, uh, $43 million, as I said, domestically. Now, this is where it's crazy. We're, what, like a week, a little over a week away from John Wick Chapter 3 coming out. Mm-hmm. And we're looking back at the box office for the first movie. John Wick Chapter 3 is sure to be a huge hit. John Wick 1 was the 77th highest grossing film of 2014. Number 77. So um, if, if we take a couple minutes here, we'll go through all the box office and uh, we'll look at it compared to other, other years here. So compared to 2018, just to put it in perspective, uh, the 77th highest grossing movie of 2018 was the 1517 to Paris, a Clint Eastwood movie about a terrorist attack. The Commuter was number 76. So we're looking at similar box office to what The Commuter did last year, not even anything too big. Uh, critically, though, this got very good response. Uh, it ended up with, uh, or I guess uh, to this day, uh, is on Rotten Tomatoes at, what are we at, 87%? Um, we're not going to go through all the reviews here, but mostly positive reviews, mostly for Keanu Reeves' performance and just for it being kind of a, a fresh spin on the action movie. And uh, what else do we have to talk about here? Uh, box office, critics, let's do this. Uh, plot keywords. Um, also, just as we're getting ready, for, as I pull up the plot keywords here, I keep wanting to talk about the directors. Uh, so David Leach and um, uh, who's the other guy here? Chad Stahelski. They were stuntmen who worked back on the Matrix movies, and then stunt choreographers. They did like a, they had a stunt choreography firm. They would be hired out to. We want you to do stunts for this commercial, this music video, this action movie. Uh, 
Keanu Reeves brought them on to this movie because he was already involved in it, uh, and he recommended them. Now, for I don't even know what the story is, but for whatever reason, they weren't allowed to have co-director's credit. If you watch this movie, it says directed by Tra- Chad Stahelski, produced by David Leach. It actually was co-produced by both of them and co-directed by both of them, equally co-directed, but the Directors Guild would not allow the two directors, which is weird because a lot of movies have two directors credited, but they said no one director. So they said, Chad Stahelski said, I'll take the director's credit, you take the producer's credit. After this movie, we're going to get into the next ones, they actually split up their partnership. Only Chad Stahelski comes back because David Leach goes off to make Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2 and a lot of other things. Um, but yeah, it's like first-time directors, an incredible job they did with this movie. Uh, still trying to find the plot keywords here. Uh, well, I'm finding the plot keywords, Jamie, because I know you keep motioning that you need to go to the bathroom. Because uh, I gotta go pee, but then I have to go and walk all the way up the stairs and back. <laughs> the, the trials of a pregnant woman. Uh, plot keywords here. So first of all, are you going to buy this rented or bin it? We'll get that out of the way. Um, I, I'm not even going to ask. Is there something above buy it? <laughs> Watch it every night before bed. Yeah, or like... I've already told you, if you ever die, like, Keanu Reeves is my number one husband. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to outlive him, but okay. Plot keywords. So, most of these aren't that, that funny. Here's a, here's a good one. Stitching a wound month coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, featuring John Wick, Tomb Raider, 12 Strong, The Legend of Tarzan. Ooh, you like The Legend of Tarzan too, right? Oh, yeah. He's, he's good looking in that movie. Yeah. Um... So we're going to, by the way, just what we're doing here, Jamie, we do these plot keywords. This is what IMDb classifies as, you know, movies to associate other movies with similar plot keywords. Um, We are going to pick a month next year where we are going to do one of these. So this is very important. You're going to help decide it here. Uh, That's no good. Streak of blood month. Um, Blouse month. How about blouse month coming? So where's the blouse in this movie? Is, uh, oh. The babies are are punching you. Oh, okay. Is, blouse is that going to be like Christmas vacation? Just blousing, browsing. <laughs> no, believe it or not, blouse month is John Wick number one, followed by The Room with Tommy Wiseau. The Room, followed by Friday the Thirteenth, followed by Secretary. Um, how are bl- that's the most confusing one I've ever seen. Blouse month, John Wick number one. Uh, we have mostly action ones on here. Motor car month, wet month, uh, canine month, um, nightclub month, man in a swimsuit month. Jamie, you ready for this? Are you, if we do man in a swimsuit month, if this is the one that gets picked, are you going to be in for it? It depends on the movies. <laughs> John Wick, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Piranha 3D and Deep Blue Sea. Come on, we got a couple of Deep Blue Sea. Nah. We got to get Jamie's approval on one of these. Uh, we're gonna have to find. Let's do maybe two more here. Uh, these are really boring. Um, broken bone month, bleeding to death month. <laughs> you like bleeding to death month? Throat slitting month. <laughs> Assassination attempt month. Uh, exploding car month. Kicked in the stomach month. Let's go with that. And hit with a baseball bat month. Those will be our last two. So kicked in the stomach month. We're potentially looking at Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Aquaman, and Thor Ragnarok. That sounds like a good month. Mm, maybe for the most part. For the most, for, for all, almost all shirtless there. Uh, and hit with a baseball bat month. 
This is better be good because we've covered most of the things on here. Split, Deadpool 2, It, and Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'd be down for that one. All right. So hit with a baseball bat month coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, that is John Wick Chapter 1. Next week, let's just tease a little bit of what we're going to get in John Wick Chapter 2. Not just your feelings on John Wick Chapter 2. I know you don't watch that nearly as much as the first one. Uh, we're going to be back. We're hoping next week, as we said, we've got a couple of babies that have already started giving contractions in this episode. But um, if we're not back next week, we will be back the following week. We are going to finish up John Wick because I'm going to be back to talk about John Wick Chapter 3. But what are your feelings on John Wick Chapter 2 and whether or not you're excited to talk about it next week? Favorite things in the movie, anything? I think I should be careful what I say because then I'll have more kids. <laughs> uh, half the listeners got that, and I still don't completely get it. Uh, I'm just going to say this. I was a huge fan of John Wick 1. We went opening night, like the, the event screenings on Thursday to John Wick 2, uh, and I was shocked at how good it was. And I was I had high expectations, and I saw this, and I remember coming home saying, That is the Godfather 2 of action movies. That is the Terminator 2 of action movies. That is the Empire Strikes Back of action movies. That is the greatest action sequel of all time. Oh, I love it. And when we did our, not last year, the previous year, when John Wick Chapter 2 came out, when we did our year-end episodes, and Ben and I talked about what are some movies that you think should have been nominated for Best Picture and weren't, I legitimately said John Wick should have gotten a Best Picture nomination. Chapter 2 is that good. Because we get so much more of this underworld. And it really just becomes about, A, it's the challenge of how do you start the next movie when you feel like this one did end. And they basically said, we're calling it chapter two because the next movie is going to start as if the story never ended. And we get so much more of this secret assassins world and all the rules there and so much more with the Continental and he goes overseas and you get Lawrence Fishburne coming back. Oh, there's so much exciting stuff to talk about. So John Wick chapter two. Uh, this is the one I'm more excited about than the first one. So we're going to be back to talk about it next week. You excited for it, Jamie? Oh, so excited. Like I said, my ovaries are tingling. (laughs) And on that note, we should wrap this up. My name is Colin, and push, push, push! My name is Jamie, and in like 20 hours, I'm going to be having two twins. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 